Good morning. Thanks for tuning in. This is Pastor Julie Lewis from Asbury United Methodist Church in Smyrna, Delaware, where we share the love of God and the good news of Jesus Christ in all we do. Good morning, it's Pastor Julie Lewis, and today we begin a series on the story of Joseph named Unbreakable, and we begin with Genesis chapter 37. Jacob settled in the land where his father had lived as an alien, the land of Canaan. This is the story of the family of Jacob. Joseph, being 17 years old, was shepherding the flock with his brothers. He was a helper to the sons of Bilhah and Zilpah, his father's wives. And Joseph brought a bad report of them to their father. Now Israel loved Joseph more than any other of his children because he was the son of his old age. And he made him a long robe with sleeves. When his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers, they hated him and could not speak peaceably to him. Once Joseph had a dream, and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him even more. He said to them, listen to this dream that I dreamed. They, there we were, binding sheaves in the field. Suddenly my sheaf rose and stood upright. Then your sheaves gathered around it and bowed down to my sheaf. His brother said to him, Are you indeed to reign over us? Are you indeed to have dominion over us? So they hated him even more because of his dreams and his words. He had another dream and told it to his brother, saying, Look, I have had another dream. The sun, the moon, and eleven stars were bowing down to me. But when he told it to his father and to his brothers, his father rebuked him and said to him, What kind of dream is this that you have had? Shall we indeed come, I and your mother and your brothers, and bow to the ground before you? So his brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept the matter in mind. Now his brothers went to pasture their father's flock near Shechem, and Israel said to Joseph, Are not your brothers pasturing a flock at Shechem? Come, I will send you to them. <clears throat> he answered, here I am. So he said to him, Go now, see if all is well with your brothers and with the flock, and bring word back to me. So he sent him from the valley of Hebron. He came to Shechem, and a man found him wandering in the fields. The man asked him, where, What are you seeking? I am seeking my brothers, he said. Tell me, please, where they are pasturing the flock. <clears throat> the man said, They have gone away, for I heard them say, Let us go to Dothan. So Joseph went after his brothers and found them at Dothan. They saw him from a distance, and before he came near to them, they conspired to kill him. They said to one another, Here comes this dreamer. Come now, let us kill him and throw him into one of the pits. Then we shall say that a wild animal has devoured him, and we shall see what will become of his dreams. But when Reuben heard it, he delivered him out of their hands, saying, Let us not take his life. Reuben said to them, Shed no blood, throw him into this pit here in the wilderness, but lay no hand on him that he might rescue him out of their hand and restore him to his father. So when Joseph came to his brothers, they stripped him of his robe, the long robe with sleeves that he wore, and they took him and threw him into a pit. The pit was empty. There was no water in it. Then they sat down to eat, and looking up, they saw a caravan of Ishmaelites coming from Gilead with their camels carrying gum, balm, and resin on their way to carry it down to Egypt. Then Judas said to his brothers, What profit is it if we kill our brother and conceal his blood? Come, let us sell him to the Ishmaelites and not lay our hands on him, for he is our brother, our own flesh. 
And his brothers agreed. When some Midianite traders passed by, they drew Joseph up, lifting him up out of the pit, and sold him to the Ishmaelites for 20 pieces of silver. And they took Joseph to Egypt. When Reuben returned to the pit and saw that Joseph was not in the pit, he tore his clothes. He returned to his brothers and said, The boy is gone, and I, where can I turn? Then they took Joseph's robe, slaughtered a goat, and dipped the robe in the blood. They had the long robe with sleeves taken to their father, and they said, This we have found. See now whether it is your son's robe or not. He recognized it and said, It is my son's robe. A wild animal has devoured him. Joseph is without doubt torn to pieces. Then Jacob tore his garments, put sackcloth on his loins, and mourned for his son many days. All his sons and all his daughters tried to comfort him, but he refused to be comforted and said, No, I shall go down to Sheol to my son, mourning. Thus his father bewailed him. Meanwhile, the Midianites had sold him in Egypt to Potiphar, one of the Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard. The word of God for the people of God. <clears throat> Thanks be to God. So in this series, we will work through this, the longest account told in one fell swoop, going from chapters 37 to 51 in the book of Genesis. You won't be able to read, we won't be able to read all the scriptures in worship, so it would be important for you to read it yourself, either before or after, to get the full scope of what has happened. We've put an insert in the bulletin to help everyone dig into this account of Joseph a little deeper, and we recommend you go back and reread the entire scripture for the week to get a better sense of what this story is saying to you in this time and place. I'm well aware that for most of us, this is a familiar story, and we can find it easy to jump right to the end. But I want to challenge us all to take each part of this amazing story on its own. Don't jump to the end. No one who lived this story knew the end at the time each piece was happening. So just like we can't really know the end of our story when we're in the middle of it, don't jump to the end. For these seven weeks, we will take a deep dive into the, each piece of the life of Joseph and learn what it has to tell us about Joseph's unbreakable faith and God's unbreakable love. Hopefully by the end of the series, we will be able to look at every point in our lives, whether filled with grief and suffering or moments of reconciliation and joy, to see the hand of God at work and build our own unbreakable faith for those times when our dreams are at risk or life throws us a curveball. So let's dig in. Well, this story starts with dreams. Joseph has dreams. Now there are already seeds of discontent and malice that have been planted by his father's outright favoritism. Joseph was the first son of his most loved wife, Rachel. He is younger than all the other brothers, and the culture of the day puts the oldest son, Reuben, as the one that gets the birthrights and privileges. But he is painfully aware that he is nowhere near the top of his father's favorite list, and it causes problems. Just like our families can be, it was complicated. Some of those hearing my voice may be in families where it's obvious one child is favored over another. How does, how does that feel? If you're the one favored, it can empower you, like Joseph, to believe or act as though what you say and do is more important and carries more weight than your less favored siblings. It can and does lead to bullying, abuse, an elevated sense of importance. And if you're the not-so-favored one, like those ten other brothers, it can lead to low self-esteem, jealousy, anger, hatred, lashing out with violence, which is exactly what happens here. 
Favoritism is the tinder that sets the stage for the wildfire of anger and hatred that lead to the actions we read about from these brothers. But the dreams light the fire. Can you picture the scene? Joseph is standing before his brothers in that special robe made just for him by his father, the symbol of his status, setting him above his brothers. He tells them about his dreams that make it seem like his brothers and then his mother and father will bow down to him. Now, some accounts try to make it seem like he didn't really want to tell his brothers those dreams, but I don't buy that. Scripture tells us he is a 17-year-old privileged tattletale. And I think he took great delight in telling his brothers that even God likes him best, or why would he get those dreams? He's special. God has big plans for him. Now, if you've ever had someone rub a promotion or award in your face, like you were somehow less because you didn't get it, then maybe you can understand some of how these brothers felt. Be honest, we wouldn't like it either. So we can understand how they thought that eradicating Joseph from their lives would make things better. Jealousy easily leads to hate, and hate easily leads to violence and destruction. So when Mr. Special comes strolling along and they see that coat, know he's come to check up on them and will probably tell their father that they aren't doing something right. They've had enough. All that rage and anger come bubbling up and there is no love left in their heart for their brother. First, they conspire to kill him, but Reuben talks them down a bit. They just really want him out of their lives. So they sell him into slavery, heading for a place they know they will never see him again. Then they remember that his father needs to believe he will never see him again either. Maybe they thought they'd be back in his favor, that he would see them for who they are and appreciate them more. The problem is, no matter where his physical body was, Joseph would never really be gone from their lives or their father's. The grief over what Jacob thinks has happened and the guilt the brothers experience for the rest of their lives will tell that story. It may not have been fair or right for Joseph to be the favored one, but that would never change in their father's heart. And now these brothers had to live with that every day with no way to change it. It was all set in motion by those dreams. And they conspire to kill then sell him with one of the most prophetic statements in the Bible. We will see what will become of his dreams. And we will, but don't go there yet. So let's turn to Joseph. Yes, he may have been an intolerable, self-important brat, but he was trained that way by his father's attention and affection. Now, it doesn't say anything in this chapter about his relationship with God or his faith, but we can assume that Jacob has shared his entire life story with Joseph and talked about how God had led him every step of the way through good times and bad. Jacob's life is an amazing account, too, so take time to read that as well. But we don't really know much at this point about Joseph's faith. In this one part of the story, we see almost every person getting blindsided by an event that they didn't see coming. For the brothers, that event was those dreams. It was bad enough that he was their father's favorite, but now he had dreams of being ruler over them. Joseph probably knew his brothers didn't like him much. Scripture says they couldn't speak peaceably to him. 
but I doubt he would believe in a million years that they would want him dead or even think about getting rid of him. He certainly didn't see slavery in his future. How could they do that to him? How did he go from being top dog to a slave in less than 60 seconds? Then there's Jacob. He couldn't have imagined that anything would happen to his beloved son. Why would God allow that to happen? I imagine Joseph was asking that same question. After those dreams you gave me, God, how is it possible that you let this happen? I thought I was special, that you had plans for me, plans for greatness. And aren't these the same kinds of questions that we ask when we get blindsided by something in life too? God, I had plans. What happened? How could you let this happen to me, to them, to us? I thought you loved me, that I am special to you. Why, God? Now, I don't know how Joseph felt at the moment he knew what was happening. But when life has taken a dark turn in my life, I've been angry, hurt, embarrassed, feeling betrayed or abandoned. Sometimes those moments have left me feeling useless, unloved, unwanted, depressed, not good for anything. And in my life, those moments have included finding out about my husband's affair, discovering someone has lied to me, a friend who has betrayed me, being falsely accused of something, being assaulted, and, well, there are others. I know that others have felt this way when they find themselves facing a sudden tragic death of a loved one, especially children, sexual assaults, being fired, a devastating health diagnosis like cancer, when their children do terrible things to other kids, being scammed and losing money, being dumped by someone they love, and the list goes on. When, what have been those moments in your life when you didn't see it coming? That moment that changed everything, that killed your plans, your dreams, and made you wonder how God could let that happen. Joseph had dreams, and truth be told, we all have dreams of some sort, or at least we did. How do we handle it when those dreams seem to be dead in the water, that they'll never happen? Now, it doesn't say here what Joseph was thinking, so I can only go by how I might feel in his place. My faith is pretty strong, and I believe his must have been too. He knew the stories of his people, how they had gotten there, all the twists and turns, the struggles and hardships, and I think God gave him those dreams to give him something to hang on to. So he believed those dreams, even though it didn't look very good as they were leading him away. See, when I look back at my life and all those times I felt blindsided by those things that I didn't see coming, I know that even though it didn't feel pretty good, sometimes pretty terrible, in fact, each and every time I came out stronger and knew more certainly God was with me. And maybe Joseph didn't have anything in his personal life to look back on as he was being led away into slavery, but he knew his father's story and saw God's faithfulness. For Joseph and for us, knowing God has been faithful in the past helps us deal with what we might be facing in the moment. And we hear that in the 23rd Psalm. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. The psalmist is still walking a dark valley, but knows God is with them through it all. 
See, this is the story that we read of God's love and faithfulness in the Bible. We see over and over God's unconditional and unbreakable love for each one of God's people, each one of us, as every valley becomes a victory down the road. So when we find ourselves in the pit, feeling like we've lost control of our lives, surrounded by our enemies, or just walking through a dark valley, we can remember that even when it doesn't feel like it, God is always with us, and we are never alone. We can boldly hold on to our faith, no matter what is happening, knowing that God has plans and dreams for us, and nothing can separate us from the love of God. But now I feel the need to address those brothers. Their goal was to kill the dreams of their baby brother, mostly because they believed that if he wasn't in their lives, life would be better. We'll see what becomes of his dreams now. And sometimes we can be the Josephs in life. Someone tries to kill our dreams, make us less than we are, simply because they don't like us or something about us. But just as easily, we can be like those brothers and be dream killers ourselves. This account is a cautionary tale about how to respond when someone else's dream threatens us in some way, makes us feel those emotions of anger or jealousy, of being somehow unfair. You know, if those brothers had relied on their faith, believing in the faithfulness of God, maybe they would have known in their hearts that God loved them just as much as Joseph. There was no favoritism there, just a different plan. He had big plans for each of them too, and I don't believe God ever plans for us to harm each other or try to kill someone else's dream to make that plan happen. God knows we sin, and God has been able to take our sins and make a way to move toward his ultimate plan with or without us. God would never condone selling anyone into slavery or telling some big lie about what happened to someone we harmed. It is never God's plan for us to kill someone else's dream, to make someone else feel less than, or believe our lives would be better without them in them. But we as human beings try to kill each other's dreams each and every day. I thought about those migrants killed in the tractor trailer this past week. All those people had dreams of a better life, and no matter what you think about how they were trying to fulfill that dream, no one had the right to take it from them by locking them in a trailer to die. When we see hate crimes, they are literally an effort to get those people out of our lives, to make them seem like less in some way. I can, And it can change everything for the victims who didn't see it coming, like our Asian American neighbors randomly kicked or punched just walking down the street because of their heritage, causing them to live in fear. See, when we hear someone else's dreams and say something like, oh, you'll never do that, you're not good enough for that, that can kill a dream too. I thought about the movie Hidden Figures and those women who just because they were black were told in many different ways, like, separate bathrooms for those people that they weren't good enough to fill their dreams. Prejudice of all kinds kills dreams. Human trafficking, war, domestic violence, bullying, 
stealing someone else's money through scams, and yes, even today still, slavery. They all happen because someone sees someone else, other people, beloved children of God, as less than human, not important enough to have dreams, as we change the course of their lives for our gain. Joseph's brothers lost sight of Joseph's humanness, lost compassion for their own brother. And it's easy to do when we let anger and jealousy grab a hold of us and blind us to who they really are. As children of God, we are called to love one another, help people, all people fulfill their purpose and plan, the one God has for them, help them live out their dreams. And how can we begin to look at who we are and how we encourage others to aspire to be all they can be? How do we make sure that we never lose sight of the humanness of all our brothers and sisters? How can we stand tall when someone else tries to kill our dreams in some way? See, it all begins with faith. Do we believe God is faithful? That God works all things out for good for those who love him? See, if the answer is yes, then we don't need to feel threatened when others achieve great things or when life throws us curveballs and we find ourselves in a pit. God is always with us. He never leaves us or forsakes us, and the cross is our evidence. Our God gave his life, suffering for us in, one, in our place, shackled and led away as those around him tried to kill his dreams. Little did they know that God had a plan, and it would be for their good. Dare to dream. But take care not to kill someone else's dreams. Let us love one another and not allow jealousy or hatred to get the better of us in this complicated, divisive world. Let us work together to make the dream of a world without pain and suffering, tears or grief, a reality. Through our unbreakable faith in the light of God's unbreakable love. Amen.